Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. Welcome, it's uh, Thursday, May 18th. The Giants are the best team in baseball, um, if you don't count yesterday. And, uh, and, and we're back. We're going to talk about the Giants. Doug, um, right off the bat, I just want to say that I, I hate Clayton Kershaw. I wish I could hate Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I hate him as a baseball player, but he seems like such a nice guy. Well, yeah, I was only talking in terms of a baseball player, but, you know, screw that guy. He's really that good. <laughs> I, I wish he could be more like Puig. You know, when he was good, like he was really good and everyone hated him. It was kind of perfect for a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, everyone likes Kershaw. Uh, and he also is way better against the Giants than against other teams, against whom he is also very good. That's true. Uh, and then when you get into the playoffs, it's a whole thing. And who knows? But you know. that I enjoy. <laughs> uh, so we took a, a few extra days off because of Mother's Day which was good because that seemed to propel the Giants into a, a winning streak of sorts. Since we were last on the air, uh, the Giants, well, they still lost. They still lost a little bit there. But they, they actually won six, and they only lost three, and I, I can't believe it. Uh, but, uh, excuse me, they went six and four, which is really good for them, um, being one of the worst teams now. They've moved from being the worst team in baseball to one of the worst um, and they nearly swept. I mean, they won three of four against the Reds, and then they, they won two of three against the Dodgers. And really, against those two teams, it almost feels like, you know, against the Dodgers, the Giants actually play with some sort of, I don't know, panache, some sort of excitement. But And then against the Reds, they just sort of roll over. But they played a 17-inning game uh, on Friday, and I... I feel like I missed a moment for the season because I, I got to be honest, folks, I uh, am a person who sleeps, uh, has a very bad sleep schedule. There are some days where it just runs out of room and I just fall asleep and uh, I miss everything, miss life. In this case, I slept through the entire game. Um, so it seems like I missed a good game. It ended with Buster Posey hitting a walk-off home run in the 17th inning. And during all that, there were a bunch of shenanigans, but... Doug, what do you think? You probably watched some of, or all of that game. Uh, turning point of the season? Um, I mean, it would it would be nice if it was. I'll say this. <laughs> Watching Buster Posey hit a home run and then kind of toss his bat with the most with the most body language you will ever see from him on a baseball field, when you could tell very transparently he was like, Well, thank God. Yeah. It <laughs> it was magical. The the replay I saw. That's definitely what he looked like. It was, yeah. He was just over it. Uh, and and I will say it's nice to see a Giants hitter elevate a ball because it <laughs> seemed like we're getting a lot of that. Although, including the five-game winning streak, the you know it's either Buster Posey or Brandon Belt hitting a home run. Uh, and while that seems to be the trend this season of players – deciding I'm going to elevate the the ball more. That's how Yonder Alonso is going to get a nice free agent deal in the offseason was he just decided I'm going to hit the ball in the air and see what happens. Um, That has been an interesting thing. It's not going to obviously work for all players, but 
it is just nice to see that, well, we, you pointed out, Grant pointed out, that Buster Posey should still, theoretically, mathematically, still have the ability to do that. Right. No, there was no reason. I mean, well, I, should, I, I was going to say there's no reason to think that he's done. The reason to think he's done is that he's 30 and 30-year-olds are trash. Uh, I'm, I'm 31. So trust me, I, I know. Uh, but it's not like he's never had these kind of stretches before in 2011. He had a a pretty bad powerless streak that was, that lasted basically the whole year for him before Scott cousins, uh, you know, communed with Satan and all. And then he came back the next year and there were a lot of questions and, only a few of them were because of that lack of power, but he came back. He was great. He was the MVP. He had power. And so to say that just because he's been powerless for a little while, he's going to stay that way forever. didn't make a lot of sense. On the other hand, we watched him be powerless for a really long time. So it was easy to get worried. So this, this stretch that he's had where he's just decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hit a bunch of homers now. Um, I, I like it. I think he should do that forever. Well, and as Grant cited uh, earlier on the site, uh, earlier in the week, which I think it's, I made a joke about it last week. That was Buster Posey is going to probably end the season with 20, 22 home runs and, and 30 RBI. <laughs> like these are just all going to be solo home runs <laughs> uh, because no one's getting on base. Uh, he has, okay. as so let's, this is us just sliding right into the Buster Posey death watch, which we're bringing back. Uh, <laughs> and to say his OPS is over 1,000. Um, he's still making nice plays on defense. If you want to assign the pitching staff success to him, they're not that good as a group, and they, they've pitched okay the last couple weeks, whatever it is. But having an OPS over 1,000 uh, on the, on any Giants, any non Barry Bonds having Giants team is a miracle for any part of the season. <laughs> I would yes. be very interested to know how many days a player has had an OPS of a thousand or greater on the Giants since Barry Bonds. <laughs> I, I imagine uh, it's like Barry, like Buster Posey holds the record and it's like eight days. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> Or maybe Hunter Pence had a stretch where he was he was over a thousand OPS. I guess what I'm getting at is like your season total, not like a stretch of a week or two where a player does. Right, um, your season total past like yeah. I don't know fifty plate appearances. Right. So you know, Mac Williamson had a thousand OPS after his first game this week, but right. probably shouldn't count that. <laughs> so it is. It's only midway through May. I mean. The Giants are eliminated from playoff contention, but Buster Posey being eliminated as a baseball player, not yet eliminated from contention there. Um, I will say it, it is disappointing that the Giants are going to waste probably his last... Statistically, we're in one of his last two tremendously like ceiling-wise offensive seasons, and they're going to waste it. But uh, <laughs> So Buster Posey is not dead. Um, reports, troll reports of his death are, are greatly trolly and exaggerated. So trolly. Who would troll like that? What kind of jerks? I would like to point out that I am not the only one who has said anything about this because there have been multiple arc, uh, articles in the Chronicle and the Mercury uh, you know, news and that it is something that the beat writers have put out there and mentioned. 
and keep coming back to like, Posey's not done yet. He's not done yet. So just, you know, it's, I didn't have anything to do with it, but let's just assume I did. So, <laughs> Buster Posey, not dead, and we salute you. Uh, because it would be embarrassing if they trotted out a dead person in, in a weekend at Bernie's situation on the Giants. <laughs> that's, that's true, though. I mean, that dead person would still be like the third best hitter. On the <laughs> he team. would be. Yes, that's right. So the Giants uh, are 17-25 in this off day. What other good news could we possibly pull out of what's been going on? Oh, five-game winning streak. Great. Yeah, bad teams are going to have a five-game winning streak. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, it's not that unusual. Um, you know, looking forward now begins a, a pretty – a tough road trip, you know, uh, the next seven games are all on the road at St. Louis, at the Cubs. Uh, say what you will about either of those teams. <clears throat> it's the, the Cardinals are in first place right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think uh, the baseball gods want me to say my next point. That's uh, so, <laughs> uh, driving me out of waves. But uh, the Cardinals, the Cubs, I think, you know, the Cubs are basically – being viewed as underperforming given that they've won the world series. It's just funny. Like the Cubs are like the Dodgers. Like if, if a guy goes down, if an all-star goes down, they'll just replace him with an all-star from their depth. Uh, And so it's like, they're tremendously talented. They'll be fine. They'll be there at the end. Um, I think the, the national conversation is going to swing pretty wildly after the giants come through town. What do you think? Doug? (laughs) Uh, I I don't. I think that you know they're still going to be underperforming. The Cardinals are still going to going to be better than them, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt. You know, the Cubs, according to the media's hype, should be winning like eight games for every three games they play. So it's going to be hard for them to live up to that. Not saying they can't do it, uh, but it's going to be tough. They they might get a little bit of those. Well, they they maybe they turn things around against the Giants, but. Um, we're, oh, by the way, listeners, we're assuming the Giants are going to lose that series. It's funny because we're actually going to have one more Croncast before that series even starts. <laughs> so, so we're like getting it way out in advance. But yes, we, we, I assume they're going to get swept. It just makes the most sense. Four games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, 18 and 31, 19 and, and, uh, and uh, 30. Uh, as they head into that Atlanta series, that's not impossible. Now they, they, the Giants, even when they've been bad, tend to play pretty tough in St. Louis. So whatever happens, I, you know, it, I'm expecting that they'll show up. I don't think that the the Giants are. I think they could. You can always be worse, but I feel like if they're going to be bad again, they're going to be as bad as we've seen them. That is my prediction, Doug. I might have just jinxed them. But I think we've seen the Giants play the worst that they're going to play, which isn't to say that we won't see them play as bad again during the season. I can't, it's just hard to imagine them playing much worse than they were. It's hard to imagine anyone playing much worse than they were. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, they, you know, I know that technically the 2003 Tigers were worse than that. But that's about not to say something is or is not rock bottom because we know how I have the power to jinx. Hmm. But uh, that is as about as badly as they could play when they were twelve and twenty-four. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a very sad baseball team. Yeah, 
And so it's probably not going to get much better, but again, it's just, I think the, the, the gimmick for the rest of the season is going to be like 500, <laughs> which would be sort of a tragedy because being really bad and getting good gra- uh, draft pick would be great. That's what they need. <laughs> that's that's going to help them. Uh, and unburdening themselves of some contracts, that those would all be smart moves. Um, and we'll get into that at some point in time. Now it's just, we're going to just burn through some stuff. Again, I was trying, I guess I asked what the good news was. Mac Williamson, he's back. Mac Williamson is back. He uh, he had a very good game, his first game back. He had a, a decent game, his second game back. He faced Clayton Kershaw, his third game back. So... <laughs> Let's Your results may vary, right? Uh, I would say that I'm. Uh, my statement is I'm a little surprised by how not great he looked in right field. He didn't look bad. I just assume I, he's a very solid outfielder at all three positions, and I was a little surprised. But maybe I, he's just rusty. I thought he looked good out there. When, when did he make a bad play? I think his first game... With the there was a double that he not kind of misplayed. It's just a, it's a huge right field, uh, and then the other day what was it the second game? He looked like oh, it was routes. I think it's just a route thing. That's all. But I'm not going to complain too much. The Giants need someone who's competent out there, and Justin Ruggiano is not someone I am going to sit there and go he should be playing every day, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's odd that Justin Ruggiano has looked better than the other scrap metal they've thrown out in in the outfield this year. Uh, and so I, I'm damning Mac Williamson with faint praise by saying, not as bad as Justin Ruggiano, who is better than the rest of the garbage that they've had out there. Um, I'm just happy that he's back. I, I want to see what he can do. And this is the perfect time for that to happen. The next month or so. They're not playing for anything, but maybe they'll get lucky and run into something. And Hunter Pence, you know, it's good that he's on the DL because it will be, if they're going to do anything or make any sort of run, they're going to need him to be healthy this year and and somehow get hot because he's he kind of fell off a cliff there. He 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 kind of has not been producing offensively. So he Mac did. Williams, he is he has been Hunter Pence has not had a good year. No. So it's good to have Mac Williamson back, and hopefully he will be the outfielder who can hit. Yes, and then when <laughs> Pence is back. Williamson and left. I guess we're we're all we're all agreeing that Denard Span is is good now, but he certainly has looked really good since he's come back from the DL, or at least he's hitting the ball with authority. Yeah, um, he is. He's been hitting very well since coming off the DL, which is surprisingly encouraging because I did not think I would ever be encouraged by Denard Span, <laughs> uh, who seems like a nice guy, and I thought was a solid move, but it, that definitely did not work out very quickly. Um, the Giants also called up uh, one of their top relievers for uh, prospects for like two seconds. So quickly, I forgot his name. Reyes Maranta. Reyes Maranta. <laughs> I think I think he uh, spent less time in the big leagues uh, than it takes for his fastball to reach home plate. <laughs> well, well, the good news is if uh, if Jared Parker is anything to go by, spending one day in the majors in New York means that in the future, there are a lot of strikeouts in your future. <laughs> so be really good. Yes. That'd be great. Uh, we haven't really talked about Mark Melanson being on the DL and Derek law being the, the now closer temporary closer. 
and how he's looked solid. And uh, two, three nights ago, he had a, a save that I think was four pitches. It was like six pitches, and it, it was it was extremely easy. And I, I want to put this out there. Uh, we we in this podcast are all in on Derek Law. I have noted earlier in this season of casts that he's looked a little shaky. Is all that needed to happen was he just was given the closer job? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, now that Melanson's back off the deal now, so we'll see if he's bad again. But right. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he's not bad again. That he needed that extra layer of like, nope, this is it. I'm the last guy. <laughs> uh, that is an extreme level of pitching confidence that you have to have, if that's the case. <clears throat> uh, I mean, we're going to go real quick by the players and we'll get to your questions. It's going to be a quick Croncast this week. We just wanted to cover the, the bigger news of the season. Um, wait, before we go to all the players, because that's kind of depressing. Barry Bonds is going to get a wall of honor, a plaque on the on the wall of fame for the Giants, finally. And it's going to be around his birthday in July this year. And my only reaction, I don't want to blow out everyone's speakers, but it's basically just a large, a long, large, cathartic scream. So, <laughs> Doug, is there is there too little uh is there too much the Giants could do to honor Barry Bonds? That is to there's, say, there's not. it's impossible. Okay. Because <laughs> um, what I was thinking, and if you've seen the Giants Wall of Fame, you can just see it walking down, walking down the Embarcadero uh, by the ballpark, is they have, uh, they have four, four plaques per wall section. And I was thinking, for Barry Bonds, what they should do is they should just have one giant plaque for him on the wall. Like just his enormous face there. Um, Each... <laughs> because A, people can make giant head jokes about it, which would keep him in the news. And B, he was at least four times better than anyone else on that wall, except for the ones from the 60s. Also, if it's big enough, you could... Nope, that doesn't work. It's the other way around. No, it would work perfectly. You could cart underneath it, like, different uh, painted wood boards of different bodies, of, like, a surfer or, like, (laughs) another baseball player. And then his giant head could be the head to that character. It'd be, like, a, a funny bronze caricature. I don't know yeah, why I thought could, of that. Um, you could put like a recliner <laughs> under it and it would be like. Yes. <laughs> put a blanket uh, on the recliner. It'd be like he was sleeping with a blanket over him, but there's his head. That would be the best. That thing would get vandalized so much. <laughs> if, it was just, if it was just as giant Barry Bonds head on the side of the building. I mean, it would be so prominent because the other faces, when you see them all together and you stand away it just looks like a blur of face like just faces right there's nothing distinct unless you go and look look at them yeah but if you put one that's (laughs) and it's barry bonds you're like oh it's barry bonds stupid face right there um that would be fantastic at the same time though uh this is a good idea and i highly recommend everyone forwarding this uh around circulating the idea around. I think it's the best since the, the rain globe, to be honest. Uh, all right, so we talked about Posey. We talked about Williamson. Uh, do we need, I don't, great job, Matt Cain, for, for still being good. I'm just jumping right to Matt Cain. I can't believe it. So, 
Still putting in quality appearances. Uh, Johnny Cueto. Uh, he, he's looked better. He didn't look great yesterday. Um, not great defense behind him, but that really... It was all kind of decided before any of that really mattered. Um, the good news is giving up two runs is going to decide the game. So it yeah, didn't really exactly. matter what happened after exactly. that. Exactly. I mean, good luck in the American League, Johnny Cueto. That's... That's all I really have to say there. Um, Derek Law we talked about. Uh, Joe Panic. Let's talk about Joe Panic a little bit. Um, come back, good Joe Panic. <laughs> offensive, offensive, dynamo Joe Panic. I mean, I certainly enjoyed the hell out of. I enjoyed the hell out of Joe Panic, Brandon Crawford, middle infield tandem. That's fantastic. And Crawford coming back off the DL really also seemed to indicate. As much as that 17-inning game, like the Giants sort of turning it around um, and, and playing differently. Uh, I'm rambling, Doug, as I often do, but just real quick. It is interesting to note that when the Giants have their best players in the field, how much better a team they are. Right. It's almost like they should play their best players a lot, and then they'll be a capable major league quality team instead of playing the various Gorkeses and Kelbys of the world. The Gorkai and Kel and Kelby, the Gorkai and Kelby. <laughs> uh, you know, for example, if they had a I don't know a Madison Bumgarner type pitcher to go into their rotation, they would be even better from a rotation standpoint. Um, <laughs> that would be a big improvement. Yeah, they should they should try to get one of those by like August. <laughs> so with Joe Panic, I really just think it's I, I don't I didn't recognize that he's he's pressing at the plate or anything. It just seems like it's, he's going to go through one of those funks and you know, the, the Joe panic who lights the world on fire and hits righties and lefties equally, uh, you know, and hits a lot of doubles. I, I definitely think where he's, he's somewhere in, this is why I honestly think like the career norm for him is going to be like 750 OPS. That's going to be his, ultimate fate which is not fantastic obviously certainly better than what he's playing now so i'm gonna go with joe panic is fine it's just it's disappointing when he's going through these streaks where he's gonna struggle because he's not gonna be buster posey he's not gonna be Corey seeker you know that's just not who he is yeah he looks like um, buster posey <laughs> he looks a little bit like buster posey but yeah, yeah he's just not gonna be a superstar he's gonna be a good player because of his defense, and if he if he hits well, if he hits basically 300, then he'll be a very good player who has a, a good argument for making the all-star team. But if not, and that's what we've seen so far this year, then he'll just be sort of a, a solid guy to have. Uh, Christian Arroyo, uh, I mean, still a very nice player, also interesting. I mean, good defense, and, and I would say he doesn't necessarily – I wouldn't yet – I think we're going to start to sense this or think this as a group. And I want to caution everybody that it might be true in a week. But right now, I'm still going to say Christian Arroyo is not necessarily overmatched. I'm just going to say he is struggling. Because he's still taking, for the most part, having long at-bats. And I think when you start to say a player is overmatched is when it's like these are swing, you know, three pitch strikeouts, you know, or just you can tell when they're pressing and, you know, instead of driving the ball, they're popping it up and and it's early in the count, whatever it is. But he's just, I'm not going to say he's overmatched. I just think the Giants 
I want to. I hope the next week or two works out where he's not as he's been sort of in the past week because sticking with him, I can see the need to put him down in the minors. But why not just have him learn here? I mean, the talent is there. Why not just work it out here? It's not so. like Eduardo Nunez is going to be better, right? And Eduardo Nunez is good that we just jump around like this. This is such a better idea, Doug. <laughs> for this. Eduardo Nunez is an interesting player because he definitely has no play discipline whatsoever. <laughs> and yet, and yet, correct me if I'm wrong. I have one example in the in the in the chamber ready to go, and but there's other ones. He can, when he chooses, put together a good at bat. Yeah, no, he can. Um, when uh, when Romo can... first appeared, uh, the the first at bat he had against Romo this season, like he knew that that slider was coming. So rather than think I'm going to do something with it, he was like I'm going to let it go, and he was you know he worked a walk, which I think was the first walk of his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is, I mean, there's there's an, an interesting pop in that bat. I like his bat speed. I think he's a decent player, obviously, because um, we've been saying that. But yeah, you're totally right. You're not gonna. Get, he's not gonna be that much better than Christian Arroyo over the season. So play the young guy, because yeah. hey, he'll get better right. someday. Right. And you know, to Nunez's credit, he's made good defensive plays wherever they put him this year, um, and that's extremely valuable. I mean, left field is not his best position. He he's done fine out there. When the Giants haven't had someone who's not fine in left field, it has both hurt them and and shown somewhat comedic, some, somewhat comedically. Yeah, it's been I mean, you could even see it yesterday in the when they they yeah. gave up their last run of the day because Mike Morris is not a left fielder. No, <laughs> no, he's not. no. Uh, that would have been a ball that Pat Burrell just gave up on. It's like that, I could see clearly Pat Burrell just like turning around, sighing, and playing that <laughs> off the wall. Um, Justin Ruggiano was mentioned in this podcast. We can move on from there. Gorky <laughs> Hernandez, do you think he's going to make it through the entire season on the team? Um, at this point, no. I'm thinking that coming up soon, because the Giants have a couple guys who are going to come off the DL. Uh, they have Aaron Hill and they have Connor Gillespie. And I think one of those spots is going to be, one of the spots that they take is going to be, um, either Ruggiano or Gorky's. And right now it looks like Gorky's, I think. And, I mean, he has been... Say what you will about a fifth outfielder that it, it would be difficult to disappoint. I really think he's <laughs> he's disappointed. He has, he is disappointed. I uh, About a week or two ago, someone said, you know, the problem with Gorky's is that they're playing him too much. And, you know, you see that... This is a commenter on, on the site. And you see that and you go, what, at all? The problem is that they're playing him at all because he's not, he shouldn't be played at all. The best way to use Gorky's Fernandez is to put him on the team you're playing against. <laughs> Which is what baseball has done to the Giants. Uh, <laughs> well, Gregor Blanco, I think is, I mean, it's tough. Gregor Blanco is the perfect, he was the perfect backup because he would be bad for a while, but he would have spurts of good and even when he was bad, he would still mix in some good plays here. But Gorky's can just be bad. Yeah. And we're not even, I'm not even talking about offense. I'm not. 
<laughs> Which it's it's like when he steps into the batter's box. By the way, it's like looking at a pitcher's stat line, hitting line. <laughs> it's ugly. And so it's really bad. So rest in peace, Gorky's Hernandez. <laughs> uh, outfielders, though, that the Giants, that the Giant. I think this is something to talk about as well. We've already said, okay, Pence comes back. It's going to be Williamson, Span, and and Pence. But I think. Uh, some other rumblings from the beat writers and from the prospect junkies out there that sort of some of the savvier Giants fans, including even over on Warriors World, Andy Liu, and and uh, he's a huge Warriors guy. He should only be thinking about the basketball playoffs, talking about how he got excited reading a report about how the Giants have this group of young outfielders coming up and and asked if that was true. And Doug, can you can you provide us with any sort of like extra insight? Because we've had Roger on. We had uh, Roger Muncher has been on. He's talked about Brian Reynolds. Uh, that's one of them. And then Jen Mag Ramos back in the day. Um, she she was the first one that I can recall saying Austin Slater. Look at yeah. you know Austin Slater is the guy. So these are two; those are two of the bigger names. But you know, the idea that the Giants have, are developing any uh, outfielders one, two power hitting, is <laughs> is exciting, it, and and it's it's almost okay to think. I, I give I give everyone listening permission to think about the youngsters more than the than the current crop of players because it's a mostly bad roster, folks. Think about the good players that could be on it someday. <laughs> um. So it sounds like if you're talking about power hitting outfield prospects, you're talking about Chris Shaw. Um, there we go. <laughs> Shaw had been a uh, first baseman in the Giants system since he got drafted. He was actually an outfielder in college, so the position is not totally new to him, but it's new to him at a professional level this year. Uh, he is the guy with power. He is the the guy, the big strong, big strong guy in Double A right now who hits those kind of monster shots and that you think, oh, he's going to hit 40 homers. Now, this year, so far, he has four homers in uh, in 137 plate appearances. Richmond is a, is a very, very pitcher-friendly park. On the other hand, if, you know, you want to see those homers in the majors now, then he's probably not there yet. But he has power. Nobody has ever denied his power he is a promise, very promising hitter, uh, and he's he's made a lot of good steps towards getting to the majors. So the expectation that I have seen is that he will make his way up to AAA later this year, and that if he does well there, he could find his way to the majors. Of course, in AAA, you have Austin Slater, who we already briefly mentioned. After a slump at the beginning of the year, he's kind of turned it around a little bit, uh, but he only has two homers, still not them, and Still not that many homers. He hit 13 in AAA uh, last year. He's, you know, he's he's a promising hitter. He has worked through some stuff, and it's good to see him doing well. The other outfielder prospect who did really well in spring training was Steven Duggar, who has been injured all year. I don't remember what the injury is offhand, uh, but he hasn't played, which is a shame because he actually looked great. He was in Major League Camp, and he he really did look good. He's also in like perfect giants, injured, questionable, <laughs> that will make the the leaps. <laughs> uh, 
the Giants' last 12 home runs have been solo home runs. The, the record was 21 in 2011. I just mentioned that because I also think that what will be important for the future of the Giants organizationally, the Giants are not against on base percentage or taking walks by any measure. But I also think that develop, having some one or two complete hitters or, or simply signing or trading for a couple of on-base stalwarts is going to be really important going forward. I, I think the most recent example of sort of a big trade that the Giants made for a bat was Hunter Pence, and that was a great trade. There's nothing wrong with that. Hunter Pence, not traditionally viewed as an, a high on-base percentage guy, though. You no. Know, Buster Posey, for all he is, and does have a high on-base percentage, there's no question. Not The expectation should not be that. Brandon Belt, high on-base percentage guy. Uh, I think they, having two or three of those types of players on your roster. You know, if Joe Panic, let's say, was a high on base guy, but still a low batting average and a low slugging percentage, still very valuable. Denard Span, if he was all on base, if or if he was more on base, which again, I think for me, which is why he flew under the radar for four months or so last year, because it's like, eh, <laughs> like, <laughs> on base wise, eh, you know, it's just there. Because... For all the power you have, if you really are just hitting solo home runs, it really is at some point going to be like, so what? Because it's very difficult to have what the Giants had, which we all should know that we're very lucky from like 2009 to 2012 where the Giants had such dominating pitching. It's extremely difficult to win every game two to one. Uh, not many people know that, Doug. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, yeah. It's, it's actually much easier to lose every game two to one. <laughs> which the Giants tried. Right, exactly. But yes, so in that sense, yes, and theoretically, if they could do that, and then they would maybe are less likely to lose games two to one or one to nothing or two to nothing. But the, you know, right-handed power, on-base percentage, you know, uh, players who profile for that. And I don't think that they're getting away from that. I think they have an open mind. And as we've had Roger on the show, he's mentioned they, they don't try to change players into something they're not. So it's just really a matter of getting guys who profile a certain ways. So I don't know. I guess it's easy to look at the Dodgers, and I certainly do this, and I like to negatively post tweets about it, and look at another team and go, they can replace their all-stars with all-stars. Meanwhile, the Giants are like finding guys at weddings <laughs> to come and play for them. Um, you know, but... This all takes time, and when you have success, uh, it, the way it's just designed, unless you're really on top of it and you're throwing your money at developing new players instead of keeping your old players, which is a choice um, that every organization makes. And it's very difficult to pay for both because it costs a lot of money for both if you go all in. It's not impossible, and the Giants could afford it. They've just chosen, we're going to build, <laughs> we're going to develop real estate around the park and keep our old players. That's been their choice. Uh, but they they also are going to have to, you know, they're going to develop new players at some point just by accident. And so hopefully it will be offensive-minded, which will be quite a surprise, <laughs> I really think. Um, all right, do we have any Twitter questions this week? Uh, we have a couple. So we, we ask for Twitter questions every week. Please send them to us or don't. We're not the boss of you. Uh, so we got a couple. We got so we got one from uh, Winston Holyfield at Chowder four nine six. 
who asked, how good at baseball does Mac Williamson have to be for Jarrett Parker to go straight from the DL to Korea? Willie Mays or Tito Fuentes? <laughs> that is a really well-worded uh, question. I, we we uh, do appreciate the wording of that question. Yes. I think in order for Mac, basically that question is, what does Mac Williamson have to do to place a stranglehold on left field? Um, he's got to, on this road trip, go crazy. And I think he's got to, for the next two weeks, be... He's got to hit three home runs the next two weeks. And probably... I'm trying to figure... What's the average? Let's just say the average is three at-bats a game. Let's just say, because the Giants' offense is not great. <laughs> Let's say three at-bats, there's four seven... There's, let's just say, uh, the next 15 games. So that's, what, 45 at-bats? He's got to have three home runs, and probably he's got to have close to 15 hits total, and he's got to play good defense for them to start going, yes, Mac is the guy. Yeah. And he's probably got to win a game or two, maybe win a game. Like, he's got to – the Giants – Bruce – let's take the Giants out of it. Bruce Bochy is very headline-oriented. And he wants to give Jarrett Parker, if not the job, he wants to give him the chance. He's not been shy about that. So Mac Williamson basically has to make it that it has to be like uh, to remove him would to say, I would rather we would not win. Right. So he has to he has to be not to put a player name on it specifically, but he has to be so good that when you look at him, you go, well, he has to be in the lineup like you just don't have a choice. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe, and I don't know if that's entirely offensive. Also, uh, if he could throw a guy out at home because he has a great arm, that would be a big help. Uh, you know, the Giants are going to love that. But yeah, he's going to have to do a lot for them to just totally forget about Jarrett Parker. Who? I mean, one honestly, thing I, oh, I would totally forget about Jarrett Parker immediately. <laughs> um, you know, but I could see. A getaway day game, maybe that fourth game in Chicago when the Giants, you know, are about to get swept. Um, and maybe they haven't won any game on the road trip. And so it's just a bunch of scrubs playing, but Mac Williamson is hitting third or fourth. Or, you know, because Bruce Bochy's insulting, it would be fifth <laughs> or sixth. And he has like two home runs or something like that and helps and they win the game or something. You know, you just got to get on the radar and then stay on the radar, which sounds pretty obvious, but. With the Giants, it really does go that way. But I do think, as much as I say Bochi wants to do with Jarrett Parker, I think ultimately, you can dispute me on this, ultimately, he wants to settle it down. Somebody's got to get that job. Yeah, no, I think, if, I think the Giants want somebody to seize that job and say, I'm not giving it up because I'm too yeah. good. And yeah. so far, nobody has done that at all. They have, yeah. In fact, everyone who has started in left field has done the opposite of that, which is a very so, impressive commitment to, to just group suckiness. Very impressive. Listen, Jared Parker is not, he's not playing today when this podcast comes out. So he's not hurt today. <laughs> if he can make it through the weekend without getting hurt, Mac that Williamson. will be great. Mac Williamson. Cause I think that's been his thing. He's just keeps getting hurt. It's been extremely difficult to evaluate him or to gain any confidence in him because he gets hurt. Um, all right, what's our next question? 
Next question comes from... That was a great question, shout air. Send more. <laughs> anyway. Next question comes from at MF underscore Cashflow, who asks, will there be any McCovey Chronicles-themed male rompers? <laughs> I love this question, too. <laughs> Two great questions this week. Croncast uh, rompers or romp hymns? Yes, <laughs> for sure. That is something that would happen. If we are able... If we can monetize this content... <laughs> We will, we will then, monetize yes. this content in any way possible. That's right. The Croncast romp hymns uh, would, I, I would have to say, it would be a half and half, like half me and half you. Oh, that is, that is disgusting. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> and so our chins would end, would be the bottoms. Right. <laughs> Look horrifying. <laughs> Just a... A horrifying Franken image. Um, that was a great question. I, Rompims, I'm surprised. I'm also surprised that when that circulated, that it wasn't an immediate backlash. <laughs> it definitely felt like the consensus was 50-50. Like, maybe not so bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then also like, what is this? <laughs> um, and then the other part of the Rompims was that women were discovering that dudes at the urinal will just will pull our junk through the bottom of the short to do our business <laughs> instead of pull pull the shorts down or whatever it was funny to find women surprised for that yes guys do that not not all guys every time some guys every time um but yeah it happens it's it's a it's a thing we do <laughs> uh all right well thank you for listening and yeah every week you can Follow us uh, at Mick Croncast on Twitter, and uh, you can follow me at Every Six Day. Doug, where, what are you doing these days? Uh, what are you, you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter at Moonwalk McFly. Uh, and he has he has the good tweets, folks. They're 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 the funny tweets, and they're good. And so you should follow him for that reason alone. My tweets are the bad tweets, <laughs> and you should follow me for that reason. Alone. Right, you need to have both <laughs> good and bad tweets so you can recognize the good tweets. That's right. All right, so we will be back in, in uh, after the weekend just to keep us back on schedule. Maybe we'll have a special guest because we need to get the extra rest. So we'll need someone to spell us. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening.